Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Me, Never miss another one again. Plus, labor news, full Monty alerts, conservative alerts, and my personal favorite segment, Geeky Science, each and every week. But wait, there's more! As an added bonus with your TomCast podcast subscription, you'll also get my best of the rest of the news, a daily three-minute dose of what's going on in the world today that you can't afford to miss. So what are you waiting for? Get over to TomHartman.com today and sign up for your TomCast now. Do it for yourself or you can do it for a friend. Go to TomHartman.com to see just how easy it is. And thank you so much for all of your support. This is 1050 AM, KCAA, Loma Linda, and 106.5 FM, Yukaipa. Billion dollars in fines by U.S. regulators for selling bad securities here. More bad news for Germany's Deutsche Bank today. A number of hedge funds pulled their money out of the struggling lender, sending shares in the U.S. down 7% and pulling the whole banking sector lower. At the close, the Dow was down 195 points, the Nasdaq down 49. The CEO of another embattled bank, Wells Fargo, on the receiving end of a blistering attack by lawmakers again today for opening 2 million phony customer accounts. Many calling on him to resign, some even to face criminal charges. Another setback in housing, pending home sales fell in August down 2.5%, hitting the lowest level since January. There was good news, though, today about the economy. U.S. economic growth better than expected this spring. It rose 1.4% in the second quarter, thanks to businesses spending more money. I'm Tom Busby, CNBC Radio. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows nothing beats the versatility of a 90s-era hatchback. You want trunk space? The whole thing is trunk space, giving you the ability to haul canoe-sized payloads with little more than a trusty old bungee cord holding down the hatch. And with over 400,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your small utility vehicle running longer, stronger, because it's not quirky. It's ahead of its time. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hi, I'm rapper, actor, model Lil Dicky, and I'm here to talk to you guys today about a pretty glaring issue within our society, and that's condom usage. Guys, I think we've gotten pretty laissez-faire about wearing condoms, and to be honest, I find it disgusting. People are having unprotected sex without even batting an eye. It's insane. It doesn't make one shred of sense to me. How can you even enjoy it? I'd be so stressed out the whole time. I won't bore you guys with the stats, but just know that STDs and unintended pregnancies are very real, and there's nothing better than peace of mind, and that's what a Trojan can provide you, the pleasure of protection. So be an adult and put a condom on. 
NBC News Radio. I'm Tom Roberts. The governor of New Jersey is updating the investigation of the New Jersey transit train that plowed into the Hoboken train station this morning, killing one woman who was hit by falling debris. Here in Hoboken, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie calls the deadly disaster an extraordinary tragedy. This train came in at a high rate of speed into the station. Uh, and crashed through all of the barriers. Christie wouldn't speculate on the cause, but says the person who could hold the answers is talking. The engineer who was operating the train was also critically injured. He is at a local hospital and cooperating. But Christie vows the probe won't be rushed. Ethan Harp, NBC News Radio, Hoboken, New Jersey. With a presidential signature, government funding is extended and a possible shutdown is averted. President Obama signed a bill extending funding for 10 weeks today that pushes spending battles beyond the November elections. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Donald Trump is accusing Hillary Clinton of putting the office of Secretary of State up for sale. Favors and access were granted to those who wrote checks. She put the office of Secretary of State up for sale. And if she ever got the chance, she'd put the Oval Office up for sale, too. Campaigning in New Hampshire, Trump said Clinton will be a vessel for special interests. Wells Fargo CEO John Stumpf says he's fixing the unauthorized accounts problem amid the growing scandal, as he did in a Senate hearing last week. Stumpf today told a House hearing that he apologizes. Wells Fargo employees opened as many as 2 million accounts without customers' knowledge to meet sales quotas. More than 5,000 employees were fired. Java lovers are celebrating National Coffee Day with plenty of great deals across the country. McDonald's is pouring free cups of coffee all day while participating Krispy Kreme locations are handing out a free original glazed donut and a cup of joe. Dunkin' Donuts is serving up medium-sized coffee for just 66 cents. Tom Roberts, NBC News Radio. KCAA is your CNBC News affiliate. We're the station that gets down to business. Hey, buddy, I hoid the droughts moving in, muscling in on your turf. To make matters worse, the man keeps telling you to limit your spigot. That drought is bad news, no fooling. But me and my boys can help. The water boys, on the water zone, Thursday nights at 6. We'll help you protect your turf and save water. And hey, don't worry about it. Consider it a gift. Yeah, Louie, you heard the boss. We gotta listen in at 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. Okay, Vinny, you got it. The Water Zone, Thursday nights at 6 p.m. I'll tell our lawn it's now protected. You know it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear. We're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drop. 
about that drought. No water. Well, it's good afternoon about- and welcome to the Water Zone with Mike and Rob. I'm Rob Starr along with Mike, Mikeypedia, Baron. He's here. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Great. And we're broadcasting live from downtown wonderful, beautiful San Bernardino. And for those of you who want to call in, please do. We have a great guest today, a super guest. Uh, if you're in the uh, uh, 909 area code, it's 909-888-5222. And if it's outside the, that, that area code, you can call long distance at 888-909-1050. And you're listening to us on uh, KCA 1050 AM, 106.5 FM. And we're also live Ustream, so if anybody's watching us, we'll give a little wave there to you so you can watch us on kcearadio.com and it's you streamed and after the show you can get a podcast if you desire at no cost maybe we should start selling those make some money oh no we want to disseminate the information that our guests share liberally here on the water zone with that's why we started everyone this. that's right that's why we started this thing so absolutely independent all. good information so we got a little bit of uh news real quick here for a minute or two and then we're going to bring on our special guest so uh, this week in the news it's mike Barron telling us the latest news in water in california well, or anywhere else in the world that's right well this is going to be focused on california and I've got a little quiz for you to start oh. off the evening, and uh, it's going to be a multiple choice, so you know you're not going to be put on the spot. <laughs> so here's the first question: In what year did Governor Brown declare a drought emergency in the state of California? 2013, 2014, or 2015? 2015. Actually, it was in 2014. 2014 in April of 2014. So now. The next question is, in what year did the governor uh, declare the drought emergency over? In 2015, 2016, or 2017? I don't think it's over yet. <laughs> You're right. We are still in the declared drought emergency. And as a result of that, <clears throat> the governor has issued request. I shouldn't say request. It's called an executive order. To, we know about those. That's right. Um, and the executive order is to come up with a new way to measure water use at the water agency level. As you know, last year, the governor, in the second year of the drought emergency, declared that the state needed to reduce its water consumption by how many? what percent? Over 25. That's right, 25%. And they came up with a metric called gallons per capita per day. And every water agency needed to come up with what their RGPCD was and to report on a monthly basis into the State Water Resources Control Board. And if you ever want to look anything up about what those RGPCD numbers are, do you remember what the name of the... uh, The water portal. Yes. And they actually call it, now get this, this is clever, i got to hand it to the state, the drink portal. Yes. So if you just Google R-GPCD... And open it up. (laughs) Drink portal. (laughs) The drink portal, you will have access to all this information, which is really quite quite fascinating it is there's lots there's really lots of information on that and uh you can track how your how how your own agency is doing and how your region is doing because we're um all water agencies are assigned to a particular hydrologic region but bottom line is instead of rgpcd and 25 percent decrease 
the executive order says, State Water Resources Control Board, work with four other agencies in the state of California and come up with a new metric, a new standard, and a new water use reduction goal. And they are working on this. And what do you think that's going to do with the lawsuits that are existing right now? You know, an executive (laughs) order is an executive order. And so they're going to move forward. And the good thing is that they're not doing this unilaterally. They have created what's called the, oh my gosh, the uh, Urban Advisory Council. And this group, or I should say Urban Advisory Group, uh, is providing feedback to the State Water Resources Control Board, the EPA of the state of California, and other entities. So it's a it, we, we've really gotten a year of a spare year, basically a little reprieve because we had the good rains right. from El Nino. But are there going to be El Nino rains this coming winter? Yeah, according to the meteorologists, it's going to be a crapshoot. So that's what they say. And you know, I I was actually, you know, I really I really want that gift card for the questions. Hello, can you hear me? No. Did, did we lose Rob? Did we lose Rob? Hello, hello, hello. I don't know. The engineer's checking Here, inside. You can use my. Uh, That's so fine. You're okay. Sorry, we're having some technical difficulties. Okay, all right, we're, we're back on whatever. It was the flux capacitor. You need to fix that. He, he's she, she, he's shaking his head. All right. But you know, I was I was kind of right on my first answer. You know, when you told me the year, because no one really believed it the first time he said it. True, I mean, true, because we saw hardly anybody wanted to conform to that. In fact, when the reduction goals were voluntary, there was only about a 10% right. reduction in the use of water versus 2013 base. So the fact that we almost hit 25%, I think it was like 24.6% reduction, is really a testament to how Residents of the state of California pulled together to really reduce water consumption. And you know what's even more amazing? There are no mandatory reduction goals That's right. this year, right? In fact, each of the local water agencies they are setting their own goal. Right. That's a good thing. And several of the agencies that had a 36% reduction goal in 2015 have actually gone to 0% yep. reduction goal. But nevertheless, we're still over a 23% reduction in California state water use on a per capita basis. Well, people were educated. They got in the habit. The water agencies have been doing a great job, in my opinion, Absolutely. and in the opinion of many other individuals, in educating their their customers and in taking the perspective that they would rather provide audits and checklists and help customers reduce their over water use as opposed so to punishing just punishing them. And, exactly. Yeah. No, so. they, they did a great job. A good thing today, just one of the things, uh, the governor signs a bill to provide disadvantaged communities safe, affordable drinking water. You know, there's 500 public water systems in California. You know, I mean, this is incredible. Uh, that have consistently failed to meet basic water quality standards, leaving the community served by these systems without access to drinkable water. Now, it really amazes me. And and so and, and the bill also allows them to hire third party contractors, administrators to come in and do it. So I guess my question is, the people who were doing it before, what are they? What are they doing about it? Are they getting rid of them? Are they firing them? And now the new people coming in, who are they going to report to? What's the standards going to be held? I mean, I think it's deplorable. I'll use that word Hillary used, deplorable. <laughs> Those people are deplorable to let that happen. So kids drink uh, 
drink water. What's happening? Good. So, oh, yep. We've got mic problems here. We're trying to fix it. Uh-oh. But uh, I, I just don't understand that. I mean, as I've always said before, I can't understand. You know, the state passes hundreds of bills a year. Lots of, lots of, lots of that. So, so say they passed 800 bills last year or 600 bills. I want to see somebody take all the, all the problems we got and, and come up with a list of the top three or top five and solve those first three or first five and then move to the next one. You mean prioritize? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that, be a, wouldn't that be a novel idea? I, I mean, having, having families and kids drink terrible water and stuff like one that. One of the challenges there is that many of these are rural communities where, you know, you don't have the infrastructure that you have in the large metropolitan areas where, uh, you know, you're serving 100,000 people or half a million people, I mean, like LADWP or right. – uh, you know, Irvine Ranch Water District, all these folks that have this amazing infrastructure resources to make sure that the water is at the level of, of the quality that's mandated by law. So, yeah, it's a, it, it is a challenge. There's even places where, unfortunately, the groundwater was over overdrawn and community wells that supplied water to a community dry. ran dry. And so the state, I think, was spending over $600,000 a month to truck in water to these distressed communities, and um, I think that's a priority. But that's just yeah, me. Yeah. Hey, we got a great guest, and I know he's been hanging on, and uh, I appreciate him coming on the show. His, his name is Kirby Bro. You, you know who he is? He, I think so. Yes, he's the general manager of Mojave Water uh, Agency. He served as the general manager of Mojave Water Agency since October 2000. He's worked in the public and private sectors during 30 years uh, in the water resources management. Prior to that, he, uh, he worked at, at, uh, at the uh, San Gabriel Basin Water Quality Authority as executive director. He's an active member in the California water community. He's also the vice chair of the California Groundwater Coalition. And he also serves as a member of the board of trustees with both the Southern California Water Committee and the State Water Contract Associations. He has his degree in civil engineering with a minor in geology, smart guy, and further, he's got a master's of business, and he's also a licensed professional engineer in the state of California. A gentleman I've worked with before, he's on some committees with me in the building industry, but I want to bring this guy on, Kirby Brill. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Rob? We're doing good. Sorry for the long thing. We had a little bit of mic problems here and uh, trying to get that all straight. Always up. blaming it on me. Okay. No, it's not, no, 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 not no. Mike. <laughs> not Mike. Mike sitting next to me. <laughs> the microphone. Sorry. Gotta, no, gotta no, do I, the right thing. Sorry about that. So uh, thanks for coming on. We appreciate that. And kind of what we wanted to get your perspective on, because I know you've been involved in lots of things for a long time in California. You know the water business as well as anybody. Even I would even say more than some people that I know. But Talk about some of maybe the progress what's happened in the last five years from your perception in water conservation that you've seen happen. Oh, absolutely. And, and actually, I'd um, maybe kind of rewind back a little bit prior to uh, last five years. I mean, this, is, this has been something uh, many water uh, agencies throughout the, Cal- uh, throughout the state of California have been working on, actually prior to the drought, um, in preparation for a drought and uh, in our area, Mojave Water Agency, we serve a lot of the communities up here in the high desert, uh, uh, Barstow, Victorville, Hesperia, um, Apple Valley, so on and so forth. So, yeah, this is something we've been working on kind of back to since the mid-2000s. Um, actually p- started putting really aggressive programs together about in 2008. Um, uh, had a lot of toilet rebate programs, but kind of our the, the, the program that we prioritized, like you were 
uh, talking about earlier was this cash for grass program and that was something we initiated uh, back in 2008 um, uh, when, the, when the drought came through, uh, we kind of even bumped up that program a little more with some uh, grant assistance. And um, over the span of the, the lifetime of the program, going back to 2008, we've been uh, able to remove over 10 million square feet of turf, uh, replace that with uh, desert adaptive landscaping. And some of the metrics are really kind of interesting. You, you spoke of the gallons per capita per day. Um, yeah, we've seen uh, since the mid-2000s about a 40% decline in uh, GPCD numbers. And another little interesting factoid up here is the water that we're pulling out, that we're using, pulling out of the ground, we're actually using less today than we did 20 years ago, um, all while adding about 150,000 people to our area. That, so a that, lot of progress. That, yep. that really is. And, um, you know, between the more adaptive landscaping, the more efficient plumbing fixtures, do you think there's uh, increased awareness on the part of the public, the consuming public, about the importance and value of, of water? Oh, a absolutely. I mean, I, I, there, there's a couple of pieces of evidence that I, I would cite. One is um, kind of a story I like to tell, especially when we're um, uh, putting our cash for grass programs in and and they were starting to pop up in neighborhoods. And um, my wife and I, you know, in the evenings we take walks. And and, um, and and one evening we were walking by one of our neighbors, and uh, she was kind of putting the final touches and doing a little paint on her shutters. And she participated in um, the Cash for Grass program. And I kind of gave her the thumbs up, like, yeah, it look, looks, looks really good. And big, giant, beaming smile. Um, and, uh, you know, she was proud of how everything turned out. So, um yeah, I think there's uh, definitely evidence of that. The other thing I've seen is we have a program called, we do it once a month, it's called the ABCs of Water. And the, uh, this is where I call the Joe and Jane public come in. And um, and I've really noticed a difference in the last, uh, yeah, th probably three or four or five years. They are so interested in water. And, and not only interested in water, just water, they're actually interested in knowing a lot more of the details. Uh, you know, how do we measure water? How do we manage? Where do we get our water? So, yeah, I've really, really seen a, a, a big turnaround in awareness, and it, it, it seems like the public is now engaged. Um, and, yeah, they, they want to do the right thing. They want to be partners in trying to make all this work. I know we gave some uh, equipment from Toro to uh, one of your trainers, and uh, I know they show them how to use smart controllers and different things with nozzles and talk about you know, pressure, you know, valves and, and pressure. And I think that's, that's really important. And, and as I said to Mike earlier, I think people get it, you know, wasting water was just a habit. People figured, hey, you turn the faucet on, water comes, it's easy. But now with all the education that all the major water agencies have done, as, as Mike said, they've done a fantastic job. Now it's getting to be a habit. And people now are saying, hey, you know what? My yard looks pretty decent. Uh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Hey, I, I learned some new things about horticulture and what kind of plants I can plant and, and make that nicer. And, and I think it, it, it's obviously caught on because we see the numbers still doing really well. But but as you said, Kirby, people still want to learn more. It's not just, you know, where does the water come from? That That's that's the important thing. Now they're getting, they're going, getting deeper into the, how does an irrigation system work? And, and I think that's really important. And you guys, I know, do a great job at, uh, at educating those uh, constituents. 
Oh, you're absolutely correct, Rob. I mean, it's uh, it, uh, there's a phrase I use around here. It's kind of a, a applies to this. I call it the revenge of the nerds. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the 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 people that are kind of really hands on are now popular. They're the, they're the new rock stars of uh, you know the people that know how to use these things and can educate the the public because they want that level of detail. So um, yeah, it's really kind of interesting to see the public come out and and really be engaged and and want to learn and like you said, want to roll their sleeves up. Yeah, I think what you mentioned, too, about uh, you start to see a revamped landscape uh, in your neighborhood, and you see one pop-up, two, three pop-up, and all of a sudden it becomes much more acceptable uh, than perhaps it was five years ago or ten years ago when you know we relied on 100% kind of turf, turf coverage. And when you have your backyard for your kids and your dogs and, you know, for relaxing and you have that cooling effect of your turf, that's one thing, but... As I've heard it often stated, if the only time your turf uh, absorbs footprints or, uh, is when the person is pushing a mower, then maybe it's time to rethink you know, where, where the turf is uh, functional and, uh, and appropriate for use. And I think, I think you know, going back eight, nine, ten years ago, when people thought of you know, California-friendly, that was the big word out here, uh, landscaping, they thought it was a bunch of cactus and rocks. And and, no. and 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 at the beginning, it sort of was that. I I, I had a friend of mine uh, worked for uh, um, Palm Desert, and he was the, the head of horticulture for them. And he gave me a book on all kinds of vegetation that you can plant. And and even for the contest, we we judge for Western Municipal Water, and people come in for their for their best uh, looking landscapes. It, it, they're getting smarter. It's not just throwing things in at the beginning because a lot of times they'll put the wrong things in or too much of it in, and then a year from now it looks like a mess because everything's overgrown and things. And, 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 and again, the water agencies have really started to show people, hey, this is what you could do. And, and meanwhile, plant this and plant this, but don't add this in the middle of this because it's going to overpower the other. And, and they're looking much nicer. They're actually beautiful. Well, the nurseries are getting uh, better at communicating what plants yep. share a certain level of uh, water consumption, and you know, planting to the hydro, you know, hydro zone instead of uh, combining high water use plants with low water use plants and wasting water. Look at the big box stores like uh, um, Home Depot in the summer and, and Lowe's. They put on seminars or you know during during working hours, you know, like on a Saturday and Sunday, for people to come in and they get to choose and, and they're told, but. But the education port's important. So, so Kirby, you know, everybody's done a great job. Most of the water, the majority of the water agency, I shouldn't say most, uh, have done a super job at that. But with conservation being the new way of life, there's a bunch of unintended consequences of what everybody calls the, the new normal in that for water agencies. And what are some of the struggles that you've had to go through with your your agency with water savings and reduction of sales and all of that? Well, I think you just kind of yeah hit, hit the nail on the on the head right there. It's uh it's it's a water sales. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that is a revenue source. So we're telling everybody to uh, kind of buy less of the product, and um, you know that just means we have to come up with creative solutions. And and, and the default solution isn't just uh, you know go, go out and collect more revenue. I mean that you know that may be a, a, a part of the solution, but it's kind of, kind of creating everybody to look internal, be more efficient. Um, 
uh, you know, seek efficiencies in the way we do operations. Um, uh, it's opened up partnership uh, opportunities. That, that's another thing that we try to do a lot. And maybe instead of doing um, um, staffing up for a program ourselves, we're looking out in the community to create strategic partners that, uh, you know, with our, um, our, um, our, our our schools, with our community colleges up here, with our with private uh, uh, our private partners. And we say, yeah, you know, we're we're after the same goal. We got some resources. You got some resources. Uh, kind of, how do we put those resources together? Uh, you know, may, maybe move towards the same goal and do it a little more, um, a little more cost effectively. So, yeah, that that has created a big, um, big challenge all the way through the water community, and we're all kind of figuring out how do we adapt uh, as we go through. Well, I know uh, at this urban advisory group meeting uh, between a number of uh, water agencies and the State Water Resources Control Board, the issue of, listen, uh, if the new normal is uh, lower water uh, use, that means by necessity it's lower water revenues, then the state uh, and the folks that write the laws need to revisit the basic paradigm of rate structures because uh, water agencies, unlike many businesses, just have such a high percentage of their costs tied up in fixed costs. And and that's got to be more challenging than, say, a company like Toro. I mean, if we saw our revenues reduced by 25% or if Rainbird saw their revenues reduced by 25%, you can bet there would have to be changes. We to have the, the L word. Yeah. <laughs> called layoffs. <laughs> right, right. Uh, right-sizing, as they, as yeah, they say. Yeah, that's the best. So, you know, our right. hats are off to the water agencies throughout the state of California because uh, you really put uh, – into this tight corner, in my opinion, uh, you've got to deliver high-quality water 24-7. There's never a time when I can remember that I couldn't turn on my faucet and, and get clean water. Um, and yet uh, you, you get pushback politically if uh, you try to raise rates. Um, some agencies have gone to tiered rates. Is uh, your agency in their rate structure, do you use uh, budget-based tiered rates or do you just use a flat rate? Yeah, we're a, we're a little different. I'm, most most of the challenges you referred to are on the retail side. Oh. Uh, Hobby Water Agency is actually on the wholesale side, where we're a state water contractor, and you know we bring in and we basically wholesale. So we're we're we're, we're not immune from that because we sell water to the retail uh, providers, and, and then they sell it to the. Um, um, you know, um, uh, to homeowners and, and, and businesses. So, so yeah, we're we're a little bit different. Uh, so, um, but I mean, we are looking at it. I mean, we are revisiting our revenue, and we are looking, like I said, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, ways to enhance revenue and ways to cut expenses. Do you, do you think that people understand the true? Va- I mean, we're in this. You, you and I and Mike are in this business. I mean, we understand the the true value of water and the cost of water. Do you think the public? Is there yet? Uh, it's it's moving in that direction, and, and and it's not only in the urban sector, but it's also in the ag sector. Um, agriculture is also kind of going under that same value understanding value of water paradigm change. Um, uh, if you look to, uh, across the state, you're seeing a, a more of a movement to more water efficient, high value crops, and I. Um, I think you're going to see that across the board. So I, I guess it, in, in short, no. Um, but we're in the midst of a paradigm change. Everybody's, it's a new world. Everybody's learning new lessons, and we're all figuring new things out. And, and one of those lessons is uh, understand, uh, getting a better understanding of the true value of water. 
Excellent. Can you hang around just for a moment? We've got to take a quick break, just have a couple more questions, and uh, uh, we'll let you go. We appreciate you taking the time out today. Uh, we just got to go to a commercial break, and we'll be right back. Is that okay? No problem. Okay, we'll be back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Water Zone with Mike and Rob. KCAA 1050 AM, 106.5 FM. Are you looking for the right place to purchase your landscaping items? Well, come see us at Hydroscape. Hydroscape offers a large selection of irrigation products, including Irritrol and Toro, such as their efficient precision nozzles. For 40 years, Hydroscape has been family-owned and operated, serving Southern California. With 17 locations, our knowledgeable and experienced staff is equipped to help you with all your irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're installing irrigation systems, wanting to maintain a healthy landscape, or simply create a beautiful lit space for outdoor entertaining, Hydroscape is the place to go. Visit our website at hydroscape.com for more information and find helpful articles on our blog. Or call our customer service center at 1-800-395-4477. Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? Then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy-to-understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real-life hands-on training, leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech's specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician. Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state-recognized, and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free, 866-614-1755, and on the web at irrigatortech.com. Well, welcome back to The Water Zone with Mike and Rob. We're here with uh, Kirby Brill, who's the general manager of Mojave Water Agency. And uh, Kirby, 
things that are happening around the state that affect you guys. In fact, we, we had a, we had a question on 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 the uh, artificial tur- or, or the turf removal. Mike, I'll let you. Yeah. Uh, so, I think with uh, uh, turf removal rebates um, are really became prominent in 2015 um, because of the of the drought and. But uh, now some agencies have started to move away from uh, rebating the use of artificial turf as a replacement for a natural turf. But they certainly do rebate still if uh, something like 50% of the area that has been uh, removed of turf is now replanted with uh, drought-tolerant or California-friendly plantings. Uh, has, um, has Mojave... Uh, agency uh, moved in that direction at all, or, or or is the artificial turf still a possible uh, uh, something that? Yeah, I I, I, I I believe artificial turf is still an acceptable alternative. Yeah. Okay, I'm just curious, just to see, get a handle on you know whether that was a you know a few agencies or whether that was a, you know kind of more more wholesale throughout the state of California, um, and it, what can you share with us kind of the coordination that. Uh, the wholesale agency would have with its member agencies, with its uh, you know its retail customers, in terms of these rebate programs, is that something that flows through those those uh, water agencies, the retail agencies, or is that something that's done directly by the wholesale agency? Oh yeah, great question. Uh, it's, it's actually done in partnership, a uh, very very close partnership. Um, uh, in our area, a lot of the money. I mean, we've uh, we encourage um, uh, retail ag- agencies to kind of put money on top of the rebate that uh, that we would have. Um, but the way it works in our area is uh, the retail agency makes the initial contact with the customer. Um, uh, that that uh, that's something that they value very dearly, and that's something they do, and that's. Uh, again, that's something we don't really do. Um, so they initiate the contact. They open it up. They do the initial uh, 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 um, answer any initial questions. Go out and do the initial survey, and and then once uh, this, uh, the the, uh, the the retrofit is complete, uh, one of our staff goes out and verifies oh. uh, to make sure that the you know whatever that was said to be done was done. And then once we verify, then the money uh, goes directly from us to the. Um, um, uh, to, to the resident, but like I said, we, we like I said earlier, uh, that was a really effective way of us both leveraging kind of our core competencies and doing it in a way where uh, all the burden doesn't fall on one entity. A number of uh, different uh, entities do it different ways throughout the state, but that's how we've chosen to do it. Well, that sounds good. And um, in terms of uh, getting water from the state water project uh, or uh, the Colorado River. Uh, when the state or the Department of Water Resources or whoever it is that says this year we're going to deliver 10% of what the water contractors want to the to Southern California, is um, if you're reduced to such levels from the state water project, and I know there's pressure on water from the Colorado River, do you have groundwater sources or other sources of water that you can access to supply your customers? 
Yeah, great, great question. Fortunately, in our area, uh, uh, pretty much 100% of our supply comes uh, from gr- the groundwater basin. Oh. And the way we use our imported supplies from the state water project, we use that to replenish the groundwater basin. So so th- effectively, the groundwater basin acts like a big, giant r- reservoir. Oh. Um, and what we do, knowing that we're going to have low allocations uh, and knowing that we're going to have droughts, when the allocations are higher, um, we'll buy more than we'll, we'll buy what we can and more than what we need, and that goes into a groundwater bank. Wow! And then basically uh, during droughts, that, that's what we draw from. So that's another one of those preemptive uh, drought protection mechanisms uh, that uh, is part of good water planning these days. How many how many years of water would you think you have banked? Um, we prior to the drought, I'm not exactly sure where we are, but we had about. Four and a half to five years of uh, of additional water supply banked. Wow! Oh. Prior to the drought, and then uh, we, as I think you alluded to, I think there was one year in there where we had a zero, or we had a. Uh, well, we started with a zero, and then we ended up with a five percent allocation. And so, so basically, we have this big groundwater basin, big buffer that uh, kind of allows us to move through uh, these droughts. And and so, fortunately, our communities are very blessed, uh, very blessed with the ability to get water from the state water project, and blessed with the natural asset of having that groundwater basin as a big storage reservoir. From from your perch, that you you've been in this a long, long time. What do you think is the biggest challenge the state has with with water? Oh, gosh. Uh, pro- uh, I, I guess there's a couple, in there, and there's related. Um, you know, one of them is the environmental challenges in the Delta. Um, that's, that's, the, that's kind of first and foremost right now is there's a lot of pressure right now uh, of, of uh, water versus fish. Matter of fact, uh, we kind of saw that unfold this summer. We had, you mentioned uh, earlier in your show, uh, kind of an El Nino. Well, we didn't get too much of an El Nino in the southern part, That's but right. they definitely did in the northern part of the state. And, and the, the big reservoirs like Orville and Shasta filled up. Yep. Uh, but what ha- what's happened because of the uh, a, lot, a lot of the environmental restrictions on fish, a lot of that got dedicated to, um, to the fish th- throughout the summer. And so we really didn't see a lot of that benefit. And uh, so we, we had a hard time pushing that water south. And, and not only south, but in into other areas in the north, like Silicon Valley, too. Yeah, I always joked with Mike that when, I, when the reservoirs get to be a certain level, like up north, and they send it out to the San Francisco Bay, we should have collected the water. And then we found out about this company called the Water, uh, the water Train. Yes. And, and we had them on. And that was pretty interesting. And, and they do the similar thing, in, in, in we found, I found out, in India, where yeah. they, they bring water to distressed areas. But, yeah, down, down in Southern California, 90% of the water, when it rains, it just goes to the ocean. We don't collect enough of it. Well, as, as, a, as a regional wholesale water agency, I know some have uh, – are also involved in wastewater treatment. Is Mojave Water Agency at all involved in wastewater treatment? Not, not directly. We have a kind of a, a sister or partner agency up here. The, the, the largest wastewater entity is the uh, Victor Valley Wastewater Reclamation Authority. And uh, we, we work very closely with them. Again, um, you kind of asked me what, what are some of the biggest challenges. And, uh, uh, and I, I think in general, as we move forward, uh, that we continue to be challenged by doing a better job with the resources we have. In other words, uh, you know, better better optimize our systems, and sometimes that includes uh, you know better coordination 
uh, with, with uh, fellow government agencies, better coordination between water and wastewater. Water used to be something. Uh, wastewater used to be something you disposed of. Now, now it's an asset. Yeah. And now it's something to be put to better use. Do you think in the next five to ten years that uh, that Victor Valley Wastewater Treatment Authority uh, would would look to treat water to the level where that could be used to replenish the groundwater? Yeah, it's kind of already occurring, and um, uh, it, you know, up, up here in the in the desert, we we have a closed system. You know, our our river flows north into dry lakes, so. So every time something is is, is tre- wastewater is treated, it's, it's actually treated to a standard and put back into the river system. And when it's put back into the river system, it infiltrates into the ground and it becomes a supply for the downstream entities. So effectively, we're already doing that. Interesting. Wow. And does the agency, does the Mojave Water Agency have a position on the proposed twin tunnels that the governor has been uh, promoting or trying to get approved? Yeah, we haven't taken. Uh, our board hasn't taken a formal position, but it's 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 one of those things that there's a lot of promise, there's a lot of potential, um, and there's a, a a a great ability to mitigate some of these environmental issues that we've talked about. Um, it's not going to be cheap. Yes, that's and therein uh, lies the challenge of, yeah. of trying to reap the benefits while making sure we can afford the solution. Uh, it's always uh, intriguing how many different entities with perhaps different perspectives uh, have to come to agreement in order to have a project of that magnitude move forward. And uh, gosh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all 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 evolves. I'd like to be a fly on the wall with Aqua and in the state talking about that. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's interesting sometimes. Again, as, as a contractor, uh, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head, Mike. Um, there, there's, north intre- there's northern interest, there's southern interest, there's ag interest, there's urban interest, there's northern ag interest, there's southern ag interest, and, and, and a lot of times all those interests compete with each other. Yep. I've seen some water agencies saying, yeah, we're in favor of it, and other agen- water agencies say, no, we're not, in, you know, we're against it, and, and for this these reasons. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a challenge, and uh, in the meantime, as consumers, we need to value water highly and do the best we can and continue to improve in our efficient use of, of water, because uh, whatever we don't use today, we can save for tomorrow, and, and that. That helps us get through these drought years. And I heard a statistic that said in the last 10 years, we've only had two years where we've had more than average rainfall. So, you know, that's a long period of time to uh, have below average uh, rainfall. So I'm hoping that uh, starting October 1, when the new rain season starts, you know, I'm looking for those clouds that start forming. We'll start seeding the clouds. Something, something. So, well, Kirby, we thank you very much for uh, for joining us tonight. I know it was a lot, kind of a last-minute thing. I know we're messing around with your schedule, and uh, we didn't want to keep you away from your family, but we do appreciate that. Yes, thank hey, you. Hey, no problem. My, my, my pleasure. All right, thanks, thanks again, and uh, we'll continue to uh, advocate that efficient water use. Absolutely. Great. Keep up the good work. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. All right, we're going to take a little break here. Another word from another sponsor, and we'll be back at the Water Zone with Mike and Rob.
Did you know that an irrigation system that has a leak of just one thirty-second of an inch in diameter, that's the thickness of a dime, weighs 6,300 gallons of water per month or 75,000 gallons per year? Well, with more solvent cement experience than anyone on the planet, Weldon formulates their products not just to meet a standard, but to exceed it. Weldon products are designed to provide even greater safety margins, often able to make up for common mistakes or less than ideal installation conditions, reducing the chance for leaks and costly callbacks. Weldon's invention of solvent cement over 60 years ago revolutionized the piping industry. From day one, Weldon has led the industry with their broad range of high-performing solvent cements, primers, and cleaners, bringing unique solutions to professional contractors and homeowners. Along the way, Weldon has earned the loyalty of millions of professional contractors who trust their products and depend on their outstanding customer service, live technical hotline, troubleshooting services, and free training. And because they care about the environment, Weldon was the first manufacturer to develop and offer a complete line of low VOC cements. Their hottest formulation is Weldon 750 Hot Weld, a one-step, fast-setting blue PVC solvent cement specifically formulated for superior, long-term, trouble-free performance. So whether you're a professional contractor or just a backyard do-it-yourselfer, choose Weldon, the trusted global leader in solvent cements for leak-free plastic piping systems. To learn more about their complete line of products or technical training, visit the web at www.weldon.com or call their technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. Hi, we're back to the water zone. Boy, that was loud. <laughs> uh, we have some mic microphone problems today, but we're trying to overcome that, and we will. Uh, so everybody heard of the Polar Express, right? You've heard of the Polar Express? Yeah, that's a weather condition, right, where, wa <laughs> where air just freezing air comes out of the Arctic. Is that, that right? That could be. <laughs> or it's something else. Or you're talking or about you the movie. In, or when you come in my office and give me that. <laughs> anyway, but uh, do you want to talk about polar ice? Yeah, you know, I was uh, just exploring the uh, Internet, which every, every one of us can do. And surfing dude. Surfing kind of dude. And I ran across an article uh, published in May of 2015 by James Taylor, not the, uh, Not the guitar player. Oh. No, no. He's a contributor to uh, <clears throat> Forbes magazine, and he did some uh, interesting investigation of NASA satellite data of the polar ice caps. And I didn't know this, but it wasn't until 1979 that NASA started measuring polar ice cap levels. Um, and, of course... Um, it's been measuring every year since then, and of course we have this perception. Although I haven't heard it much in the news lately about receding ice caps, have you? Have you heard much about that? Not a whole lot about. It. I've been I've been looking, listening to the technology of the satellites and how they're using it for farms, and and, and seeing how much water is being consumed and such with that. But the, the imagery is incredible what they do with this. Yeah, so it's it's fairly. I would say as accurate as we know, and certainly this data has been used to both argue for and against global global warming. The idea being that global warming caused by increased CO2 gases um, warms the air, creates uh, higher average temperatures, and therefore the polar ice caps start to melt. Right. So melting ice caps and less mass of ice would indicate global warming, warming. right? So what if... In fact, there are cycles, and that in 1979, as it turns out, was the end uh, of a um, 
30-year cooling trend. Remember, there was a professor of biology at Stanford saying, hey, we're going into an ice age again mm-hmm. in the 70s. Well, there was a reason he said that, because there was a 30-year trend of cooler weather. And when the ice caps then were measured in 1979 as the base, they said, well, this is what, what it is. We'll start seeing how, how much is, is added. Um, they really were larger at that time than they had been at any time since 1920 is what it's estimated. So starting with that bigger than normal uh, polar ice level, uh, we found that in 2005, we started to see that receding um, polar ice cap. So the thing about it is that as they went on, uh, in fact, I don't know if you remember that Inconvenient Truth, the uh, that movie. Yep. Well, in that movie, which was um, Gore, w- which was uh, Al Gore, right. but it was uh, came out what probably after the election mm-hmm. of two thousand, so two thousand one, two thousand two, and the prediction by Al Gore was that the Arctic ice cap would be completely gone by twenty fourteen if it continued to recede at the level it was receding, and that started the the, the, the high concern. So it turned out, though, that by 2012, from 2005, it started to, this is the polar ice, dramatically rebounded and quickly surpassed the post-1979 average. And ever since then, the polar ice caps have been at a greater average extent than the post-1979 average. So here's the thing. In 2015 of May, in May of 2015, the NASA data showed polar sea ice to be 5% above the post-1979 average, which was kind of the largest point since 1920 right. because of the 30-year cooling period. Well, I think, I think a lot of common people don't understand that there are cycles. There's going to be drought. We know that. There's also going to be non-drought. And, you know, it's like the dinosaurs were here once. They're not here now. I mean, things... Things change over that, and that and that's an important factor. You know, they've only been collecting weather data just for a couple hundred years. Now, scientists can go back and, and look at sediments and rocks and trees. I've, I've read that. We talked about that on a show where they can go back a thousand years and say, hey, this is what happened here and, and so forth and so on. But there are going to be cycles. It's, it's always going to have a cycle. And, you know, we got to prepare for that. And, and I'm afraid, like in California, like I said, I, I'd love to see them have a plan to show me – What's the top problems we got, and how are they going to address them? We we can't every year if you pass eight hundred laws, you can't enforce those. There's not enough people to do that, and and, and are we really fixing stuff? Plus, isn't it the fact? Is I mean, can't you just say, well, I didn't know that was the law, or no, no one ever told me that no, what C would stand for. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know what. Uh, you can't blame. You can't. You can't do anything to me because I I'm, I don't either. Don't remember. Yeah, or I, they claim ignorance is not excuse, though, for you and me. But but we won't get into politics. That's on, true. On oh, that. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. No, no, no. I know. I know you weren't. But but just for our listeners, we're That's not. True. We're not. We're not. We're apolitical. That's right. We don't. We don't talk about political things. That you know. So anyway, we just re- suggest hey, interesting uh, information about the polar ice caps, and interesting about the measurements from NASA satellite data. Now, I was mentioning farmers now are starting to use this type technology to monitor their water on their property using satellite versus standard ET kind of things that we know with soil moisture sensors and that. And they're starting to use this a lot more. Um, and, and so I guess somebody's making it affordable to hmm. do. 
I was just reading that the other day about it. I mean, I've, I've read it before, but but so using satellite data to guide their watering decisions, yeah. um, in the farm, yeah, huh? I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have the article here. Uh, I don't know if it was on this one I was reading, but it was. Uh, I do know that um, the scientific effort to quantify how much water is stored in a in a in a water or a ground water basin, they use uh, two planes or two satellites, actually two satellites, and they try to measure the change in gravitational force exerted on the satellites as the satellites pass over the groundwater basin which to me is fascinating because, believe it or not, even though we do know where the groundwater basins are, where the aquifers are in the United States, we don't know how deep, how many gallons of water. We do know, though, when you withdraw on a regular basis more than you replenish, that it's possible for those aquifers to start to kind of uh, cave in. You're going to have a big hole. And and what happens is that you can never refill that aquifer, even if there was 40 days and 40 nights of rain, that you could not ever re- regain the amount of water storage that you had before. Now, whether you lose 1% or a tenth of a percent, don't know. But that's a, a, a concern that we've got over overdrafting groundwater basins and it's not just in the united states that that's happening it's happening all in, over, in all many over. other parts of the of the of the world you know they're also not change the subject but uh you know people are saying the climate change is here you know inside the summer of hell and high water blah blah they say toxic al- algae is blooming in 40 california waterways and it set the record for the highest count in state history i don't doubt that. You know, if you talk about lower water use, you know, lower water levels, which means warmer temperatures of the water, right. and then you have perhaps increased um, presence of nitrates, mm-hmm. phosphates, the stuff that we get in runoff, yep. um, you do have that terrible combination that results in those toxic blooms, and they're they, they're massive, you know. They're just not easily controlled or dissipated. So, um, again, the water agencies they have their work cut out for them. Oh, that's, that's for absolutely. Sure. I guess I guess going back to the, the beginning, when you know when they're you know, we talked about the uh, uh, the five hundred water things that are have bad water. And they're going to hire outside contracting people. Do we? You know, I I, I really pray that they're going to get the right people to do this. Because for years, like like in Michigan, they had people there, and yet they didn't do their job, or something slipped through the crack. But how 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 does it get to be to that level? Again, I think it's the prior. I think it's the priority thing. And Sounds like a great topic for a PhD research project. Oh, not me. <laughs> Maybe there is an aspiring graduate, a college student who's going to graduate and is a lot of interest in water, you know, because um, John Laird, who is the... Secretary of Natural Resources? Yes. You know, he started at UC Santa Cruz in environmental science, and he started in Santa Cruz in the water agency, and that was a water agency that was part of the city, but he's just stayed within that whole water environment 
sphere and has done amazing jobs because AB 1881, as you know, that affects landscape and irrigation design and installation of new projects. He was the force behind that being passed, and now it's become the standard, and it's being updated, and it is used to really affect what those new landscapes look like. And as you know, today in California, in the state of California, if you're looking at projects that have over 500 feet uh, square feet of uh, landscape on commercial projects, uh, there can be no turf. Mm-hmm. It all has to be uh, irrigated by uh, drip and uh, low water use plant material. So um, it's pretty significant. It's influence on the entire state of California that started with just this very well thought out legislation because he engaged stakeholders. Everyone that was going to be affected by the legislation got a chance to participate in the development of that legislation. And he he knew how to bring the people together and and, and facilitate that, which I think is one of the the best things. He's, He's probably one of the best guys that I've ever met to do that. I mean, he, yes, he has a passion for it, and he's done that all his life. He, obviously, he was in the Congress, state, you know, state legislator and stuff, but the guy knows how to bring people together. That, that's important. And, you know, I've never, ever in a conversation with him or when I see him present uh, at different functions, there's not a touch of arrogance in him. No. Uh, he understands the other side of the argument. He, uh, I, I mean, I, he's probably one of the most effective uh, politicians I've met in terms of what he's involved in and how he gets things done. It takes a little longer, but, you know, once it gets done... Because well, they're working on those 800 other bills yeah. <laughs> that push, to push through. Uh, again, I, 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 I just get worried as I get older that there's a lot of serious things that need to be taken care of. I think water... <laughs> without water, we're all dead. And we can't grow. I mean, nothing. I think as you said, I said, no water, no business. And you said, Mike, you should amend that, right? Remember what you told me? No water, no life. <laughs> so yeah. that's true. And, and you know, we, there's going to be some hard decisions coming up. And, yes, we got to realize there's cycles, and we can't predict those. Or maybe we're going to get – science is going to get better at doing that. But we got we got to have a long-term plan. It's nice to hear they got about five years of water. For Mojave, that, that's that's excellent. Um, you know, well, we're going to have uh, somebody on from um, Lake Mission uh, uh, Viejo talk about how they're using recycled water in their lake, and and kids are now swimming in it. Some people have no problem with that. There's a lot of people who oppose that, but we got to see what all. It's just like drinking the water uh, in Orange County when they came up, and I won't use the term you told me not to use on <laughs> <laughs> from the ground from the ground to the to the tap. That's, uh, right. that's the nicest way of saying it. Um, but you know, people didn't realize they're drinking the stuff, and it's been going on for years, and nobody complained about it. Again, you got to educate the people, and, and it's, it's scary at the beginning. It's just like. I'm crazy here with flying saucers and aliens. All right, I, I did I like, not know that. I, I like well, I like that kind of stuff. Do I believe there are? Yes, I know. Maybe people think I'm crazy. My wife thinks I'm crazy. But anyway, um, you know, in the 1950s, early 1960s, <clears throat> when we watched, for those of you who are older, and you watched television or the movies and you saw that thing, uh, everybody was afraid, just like when Orson Welles did that uh, oh, you know, yeah, the Mars War attack. The yeah. But today. We've seen on television for the last 30, 40 years stuff with flying saucers and stuff with this. and No one's going to be afraid of that anymore. 
And, and I think they got to educate the public more. They can't keep secrets and not tell us what's happening with water. And, and, and again, I just worry that without water, we're going to be in a world of hurt for everything, whether it's for infrastructure, manufacturing, life, food. Well, I oh. think I just remember uh, what uh, Congressman McClintock said. What we have in California is not an availability of water 